Hello, everyone, and thank you so much for tuning in to Shakita's Moments of Truth. This episode was brought to you by SJS Comprehensive Services, where financial and emotional health are the cornerstones to a healthy living. Sit back, relax, and enjoy this episode. Stay tuned. Hello, everybody. Thank you so much for tuning into my podcast. It is a pleasure to bring another episode to your attention today. And so what I want to do is I actually want to talk about toxic relationships, but not just any toxic relationship, toxic relationships when it involves a parent. So from personal experience, I have actually been going through this for about 15 years now. Um, in regards to having a very, very toxic relationship with my father. I do not share this a lot, um, but I am learning throughout these years that so many people are dealing with the exact same thing. And we have no idea how to move forward, how to work through these issues. It's very, very tough, you know, because a parent, you know, these people brought you into this life. So you automatically feel obligated to just deal with whatever stuff that may come along the way. But when do you draw the line? You know, when does it become too toxic till and you decide, I can't do this anymore, right? That's the struggle that I feel that all of us who are in these situations, whether it's with your mother or your father, you never know when to throw in a towel, Right. So what I want to do is I want to start off by just talking about what a toxic relationship is. You know, so in my roundabout definition, a toxic relationship is a relationship where there is abuse, whether it's physical, emotional, mental, financial abuse, any type of abuse. And you just feel like you're stuck. This is an everyday cycle. It affects you emotionally. It affects you mentally. It affects you spiritually. You know, this relationship is so toxic that it can tear you down physically, you know, because you're so overwhelmed and you're so stressed out about the things that are happening inside of this relationship. So in that's my definition and how I view a toxic relationship. Okay, so what I want to talk about is I want to first I'm going to I'm going to do this in a couple of parts. So first, I do want to share my story. So forgive me if this podcast is a little bit longer than a couple of my other podcasts. But I really, really feel that this is important. And that for me in my healing, I want to be able to share my story, because it may be able to help somebody else along the way. So I'm going to start out with my story. And then after that, we'll just go into maybe some things that I tried you know, to get myself through this situation. So, um, so with my story, you know, I grew up in the home with my mother and my father. Um, I know some people are like, oh, well, you're lucky to have, you know, grown up in the home where you had a two parent household. But I always tell people just because you have two parents in a household doesn't mean everything is peaches and cream. Okay, and it wasn't, you know, it was some things that I witnessed as a child that, you know, when I think back, 
you know, to them now, I'm like, wow, that really shouldn't have happened. You know, witnessing my mother's unhappiness, witnessing some things that I was trying to put away because I didn't want to believe. But again, as an adult, you understand that these things were happening and I was just trying to be protective of my family. Um, But one thing about it is when I was growing up, I've always had a close relationship with my father. Um, I recall times when I was like four years old and we used to sing songs together, still songs that whenever I think about him or, you know, or they come on, it triggers these memories that I've had with him. So I didn't have a strained relationship with him growing up, you know, definitely was a daddy's girl. You know, of course, like a typical teenager, when you become 16, you know, 17 years old, you know, your parents do want to try to hold you tighter and closer because they get protective so that was definitely expected but our relationship began to take a turn my senior year in high school um my my father it appeared to me that when it was time for myself and my brother to go away to college my dad appeared to want to sabotage in a sense and I'll give you an example um the day I was supposed to check into the dorm I was going to school in Lafayette Louisiana so it was the two-hour ride we had to check in by a certain time so we had to leave New Orleans by a certain time and that morning my dad drove he woke up um apparently he was drinking the night before and so in a nutshell he's like we can't take you today we'll take you tomorrow and I'm like well we can't do that because my check-in time is today and you know he was like no I'm not doing it you know whatever so I'm like well we have to figure out if I have to get on the bus and go I'm going so I went downstairs to go to our car and maybe like two minutes later I look back and my dad is literally throwing my bags across the balcony of our apartment. Because at the time we lived in an apartment complex. And he was tossing my bags over the balcony onto the ground. You know, and my mother comes out like, what is going on? I don't know why he was doing this, but he tossed my bags across. So my mom was like, you know what? We're going to get up and go. I'm driving her. You don't have to come. You know, it's no problem. So my mother um, drove me to college um, alone. My brother was already there, you know, so it was just she and I. And um, that kind of was the start of our relationship taking a turn. Uh, Prior to me going to college, my dad promised he would, you know, be depositing money in my account every week you know, making sure I had things that I needed. That probably happened like twice, but I was like, I don't really care. You know, I was on my own. I didn't know much about finances, but I at least knew when I had my refund check, I was going to stretch it out because I was a college student and I didn't want to have to ask my parents for anything because we didn't have much to begin with. So then as I, as it progressed, um, another situation that happened, you know, um, any college campus, whenever the campus closes um, for like the semester changes or like the holidays, you have to check out of your room at a certain time. So um, at this point, my parents moved to Texas my freshman year. After I left, they moved to Texas and um, it was our Christmas break. And I remember um, giving them a specific time that they had to be there to pick me up. We had to be checked out of our rooms everyone was going to be gone by a certain time and being that they were driving from texas you know they had to leave at a certain time in the morning to get there on time to pick me up and so lo and behold the same scenario happened my father said he's not going he's not going to rent a car with my mom y'all better figure it out and so my my mother along with my cousin um had to go and rent the car alone and my mom literally 
flew like she said she was going like almost 100 miles per hour the entire ride to make sure that she picked me up but in the meantime on my end I'm sitting there my friend um was there with me her and her father her father came to pick her up and I'm literally like the only child left in our dorm everything else is deserted and so her dad is like I cannot leave you by yourself and they literally sat there with me for two hours you know and my mom like I'm almost there I'm almost there and so you know at a certain point I told them I said y'all have to go I said it's not your responsibility to stay with me you know and and I appreciate that one thing about my friend's dad I would never 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 forgive him or forget him for doing what he did that day because he didn't have to sit there with me for those hours. They could have been home and starting to enjoy their holiday break with their daughter, but they decided to sit there with me. And, you know, and I would never forget that that memory, you know, and he always would tell me he will never forget my face when he was driving off um, from the campus, you know. So that was truly it. Uh, I mean, when I got back home to Texas I just didn't even know what to do with that you know so you know everything progressed I graduated college and I decided to move to Tampa Florida after I graduated college and by that time like after I graduated I did go back uh, to Texas for about three months and at that point me and my dad's relationship was very very rocky um I just I worked and I even enrolled in classes at the University of Texas at Arlington just so I can just be out of the house because I being in that space um at the time I, I was really dealing with some emotions you know with him and every so often we'll sit down and you know have some movie days and stuff like that but I, I had to I had to keep my distance because I didn't know when I was going to be disappointed by my dad and so and it's so funny because as I'm sitting here talking about this I realize it's been past 15 years you know, since I've been dealing with some of these things, you know, from my father. Um, so I moved to, to, to Florida and, um, you know, I, you know, I just started to begin life. You know, I, I, I enrolled into a master's program. When I graduated from my program, my dad, my mom couldn't make it down, um, due to work, but my dad was able to do so. He was, you know, he spent that time and he enjoyed that time. And I love the fact that we were able to bond that way, you know, and then lo and behold, after graduation, I ended up getting engaged and I got married and he was there, you know, and I danced with him and all of that, you know, happened. And then, um, it was like once my my parents decided well my mother decided that she no longer could deal with the relationship to my, with my father and they separated and that's when everything started to take a turn for the worse um so that's kind of a nutshell of the basis of the beginning of this toxic relationship like the real deal toxicity that was going on between us right so now fast forward to my dad and my mom separating when that happened it was almost like when when my dad decided yeah we're not gonna do this and you know he's done and she's done I don't know if in his mind he felt that he now have to divorce his children and he's gonna do that but it appeared that way I can't say if that's what it is because I can't really pinpoint it because to him he just sticks in he plays the victim in everything I just have to be blunt and so um when uh it, I think in his mind he felt that once they divorced my brother and I just automatically took my mother's side and we were just sitting around talking about him and nobody loved him nobody liked him nobody wanted to deal with him right but that was far from the case my mother 
did not speak about their, you know, the things that she went through with my father. She did not share that information. And she said the reason why she didn't is because we're her children. And she didn't feel comfortable with talking about that. She didn't want to taint, you know, our perception of our father. But I always tell my dad, this, our relationship has nothing to do with my mom. It has everything to do with how you treated me. So throughout these 15 years, I'll give you all just kind of a synopsis. So, you know, I speak with my mother every day. And so I would try to engage in conversations with my dad every day and it will go great. You know, we'll be talking and we'll catching up and like, you know, dad, I'm pregnant. I'm having a baby. He's excited. And then it will be something like, oh, well, the first thing I can remember is he was asking for pictures of my son. He wanted me to mail him some pictures of my son at the time he was about two years old. And I said, sure, no problem. So I, I had all the pictures, but I was having an issue getting to the post office in the time that I needed to because of my work schedule. So I reached out to him like probably like a week later. And I said, listen, I said, I'm having an issue with getting to the post office. So what I want to do is can you find the local Walgreens in your area and I'll have them print it out there. I'll do it online and have them print the pictures there so you can pick them up. Now, in my mind, I'm thinking that's a great idea. But in his mind, all he saw was, oh, so because I'm asking you for something, you, you're going to find an excuse not to uh, cater to me. You're catered to your husband. You're catered to God, but you can't cater to your father. And I'm like, well, what do you mean? And then from there, it just went downhill. And so let me explain what happens in our toxic blowups. So in the blowups, if, if he doesn't get something that he wants, whether it's a thousand dollars out of the blue, or I need you to buy me a plane ticket or anything, he's going to say and do anything to make you hurt. So my father, you know, this very first time of us having this, you know, kind of blowout over the phone was, (laughs) He literally said things like, like, I opened up to my family about being molested as a kid. So never in a million years would I expect that my father would throw something like that in my face because he's angry. And so what he said to me was, um, you know, oh, so you're going to forgive the, the, your, your family who was touching on you, but you can't forgive your father for what I did. And you praising this person. Like he just, it was just a mess. And I didn't know how to handle it emotionally. So I called my mother. I'm like bawling, crying. My mom is upset. And of course she calls him. I didn't know what else to do. You know, then I have my husband here. He's kind of stuck between a rock and a hard place because he's like, I don't even know what's going on. Like, where did this come from? And so each time, And I started to count when I got to like time 11, I'm like, okay, like this is ridiculous. And you guys have to understand, I, what I decided to do is I said, you know what? I have to distance myself. You know, I'm not going to call as much because maybe if I don't call and it's just periodic check-ins, it won't, you know, give us like the give or give him the ammunition to build and build and then now he's going to just explode at any given moment. So I wouldn't talk to him. I'll kind of check in. I'll send a text, hope all is well, you know, worried about his health, you know, because he's a diabetic and it has been brought to my attention that he does also abuse substances. So, and he drinks, you know, so I was always concerned about his well-being, And that's the thing that would keep me connected to him. Like, you know, I got to at least know that he's okay because he is my dad, you know, but I was already 
I had to start to learn how to brace myself for when the situation was going to take place. Okay. And so fast forward to my pregnancy with my daughter. This is now 2016. Now, mind you, I moved to Tampa in 2004. Okay. So all this time is still going on, you know, so 2016, I'm pregnant with my daughter. I, um, I'm, we're preparing to go back home to New Orleans for Memorial weekend. And I was planning with him. I said, listen, I'm like, you know, I would love to come and see you. My brother's going to be there as well. We want to drive up and see you because he wasn't in New Orleans. He was in another area of Louisiana. And so we were planning to this trip to go and see him. But unfortunately, one of my classmates from college passed away. And so they were reaching out to all of us, you know, about attending her funeral services, you know, that weekend. So I called him and I said, hey, listen, I said, I have a change of plans, but would you be willing to just come to New Orleans instead of us coming out there because I have something else to do. Now, initially, he agreed to do that. But so when we got there, he didn't show up. Um, He didn't come to New Orleans. And um, Sunday before Memorial Day, I was with my family. And one thing, a pattern with him is when I know that he's drinking or maybe high is he starts to text and he sends, he starts to send music first, all of these songs. And then before you know it, the text just starts. So I'm assuming he's in his feelings and he starts to send all these messages to me and I'm not responding because I don't want to ignite the flame. So I don't respond. Uh, Well, that weekend, he just went completely ballistic um, to the point where I ended up in the hospital when I was pregnant with my daughter because I was so stressed out. He 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 literally and I and I kid you not, you guys, this is the moment where I'm like, okay, I have to do something about this. Like this man told me um, if anybody asked about him to uh, say that he was dead, um, he told me. If he could go back, he would have abandoned me and my brother years ago when we were kids. He told me he wished that he can, I can literally just change my face because I look like him. He told me he's going to, he's going to pretend he never had a daughter. He's told me, I think I'm all that because I'm a therapist and I have degrees and, you know, but I can't fix him. Like how, what kind of therapist am I when I can't even fix my own parents? Um, he belittled my relationship with my husband. He, oh my God, it just went on and on. And I just, I was at work when this was going on and I just was a mess. And it got so bad to when my blood pressure was spiking and I was in the hospital. I had to be monitored, you know, to make sure that my daughter was safe. And so at that moment I said, I'm done, you know, so I I didn't communicate, you know, so fast forward, my daughter's born I, I sent him a picture. Hey, I just want to let you know your grand, your, you have a granddaughter. This is her. This is what it is. And, you know, so lo and behold, you know, I, my brother, he's like, well, you know, Kita, he was like, you know, let's just try, you know, people, are, people were calling and saying, you got to check on him. And they were worried about him and all of that. So again, I say, okay, but the cycle continued again. And so now, and the reason why I decided to talk about this today is because a couple of days ago was the final, like I literally had to block him off of social media, off of my phone, because again, he doesn't stop. Um, My aunt passed away last Friday and I made a, a post on my Facebook. I didn't say what happened, but I talked about being heartbroken, you know, and, but that God doesn't make mistakes and with God, we can get through this. And he commented on my post 
basically saying, you know, get he in a nutshell, he told me to get over it. It's life. But doesn't it it doesn't it hurt to be heartbroken? You know, especially when it's your family that just kick you in the butt and they don't they don't love you. And so I didn't respond. The next day he sends me a text um, or no a messenger inbox saying good morning. Hope all is well. And so I asked him, like, you know, why would you post that on my page? And basically, he tells me, because he wants to show the world um, that I fake love him, that I love everybody else, and I don't love him, and that I'm the worst daughter um, ever, and that I need to just get over myself. I do things for followers, you know, and I'm just like, wow. Um, You know, I I said, I'm like, I don't really understand. I said, for 15 years, we've been dealing with this. All I want is a relationship with my dad, but I have come to the realization it's not going to happen. And... So now I fast forward to today, you know, me sharing this story with the world, you know, and me letting people know that it is okay to not be abused by anyone. And it doesn't matter if it's the parent, you know, and when I, cause it's so funny. Cause when I blocked him on, on messenger, I forgot he had my cell number and he sends me a picture. He had a family reunion that past weekend. He sends me a picture with him. And I don't know if I'm assuming it's one of my cousins and his caption is, this is what real family looks like. And that's what he sent to my phone. You know, so I sit here because when I have other people, other people always tell me, Shakita, that's your dad. You only get one dad. You know, he's sick. You know, he has issues. This is just who he is. But I'm going to tell y'all right now, I'd be damned if I allow anybody. I don't care who it is, but I'd be damned if I allow anybody to treat me this way. I wouldn't let my husband do it. I wouldn't let my mother do it. I wouldn't let my best friends do it. So I'm damn sure not going to let him do it. And I don't care. I don't care what it is. And, you know, and it's just, it's, it's so, it's so disappointing Um, but I have learned that me being good with me and knowing that I didn't do anything to harm him and to disrespect him, I'm good with that. I'm good with knowing that I attempted to mend a broken relationship for a long, long time. Okay, so now in these toxic relationships, what I have learned is that the person that's that's, you know, doing the abuse, they're going to throw out a lot of times. Why can't you forgive me? You know, like, you know, God says you're supposed to forgive. You know, God said you're supposed to do this and you can forgive everybody else. But why not me? And this is this was a, a part of the cycle of me and my father. And the one thing I will always tell him is that how do you like I can forgive you which I have, I, I will forgive you for the thing that you did before, but then when we move forward in the future, you do it again or even worse. So at what point am I supposed to say enough is enough? And I say, and, and forgiveness is for me. Forgiveness is not for you. And I can forgive you without having to deal with you every single day of my life. You know, like how is it that if you're in a domestic violence situation and you, you're getting beat all the time and you decide I've forgiven enough and, and, and I got to walk away. Why is that OK? But it's not OK when it's your parent that's verbally and mentally abusing you and you're supposed to just forget it because it's your parent. 
those situations are not different. They're one in the same. You know, so I can forgive you, but I don't have to deal with you. I can forgive you, but I can also protect me and my children. You know, because one thing I said is that I'm not going to allow my kids to feed into this toxic relationship as well. I'm not going to do that. Like my role as a mother is to ensure that they are safe and protected. So I'm not going to allow my kids to go through the same thing. And as much as I would love for them, because that's what I would, you know, I would do. I would try to keep the lines of communication open because my son, my son, my son wants to have a relationship with my father so bad, so bad. But I have to keep a distance because he's unpredictable. And number two, I don't want him to be making these promises and doing these things with my son. And then the moment my son can't do something, he's going off on him. I will not allow that to happen. You know, but, you know, so talking about forgiveness, you can forgive that person, but I'm not going to just keep allowing you to just keep doing the same things over and over. Now, at that point, I have to blame me and I have to take responsibility. Like, well, Shakita, why are you allowing this to happen? Because he's your dad? Because guess what? Contrary to what people believe, just because they're my father doesn't mean I have to allow the abuse to happen. And that was my my struggle throughout this and these last years of being torn because people were saying, but it's your dad, you know, it's your dad, you know, I'm like, but what would you do if he was in a situation? I don't think you would be saying that if you were, if you were walking in my shoes, you know, so forgiveness, forgiveness is not for them. Forgiveness is for you. Okay. Um, another thing that I have learned is you have to process your feelings about what's going on. Like this podcast right now that I'm doing is really allowing me to release, you know, some of the feelings and emotions and thoughts surrounding this situation. You know, I always say this, like I have, you know, people whose parents, you know, are gone. Like my aunt that passed, my cousins lost their dad when I was in college. Now they have no parents and they're grieving their parents because they have passed on and I always say God I gotta grieve my parent who's still alive you know so you gotta go through that grief process it's grief grief doesn't just happen when someone dies grief is you know you grieve after a loss in your life okay so a loss of a relationship a loss of an actual family member because they passed you know that's you know grief happens after any traumatic event that may occur in your life and I have to be very very honest the relationship or the lack of relationship with my father is very traumatic for me because I never in a million years thought we would be here. You know, I never in a million years thought that I wouldn't be able to, you know, call my dad and just have a civilized conversation. Um, I think the longest period we've gone before mishap will happen is probably like three weeks. That's probably the longest period, um, I feel. I don't know if they may have, I don't know. Um, of us like talking, like I may go through without communicating with him. But once we decide to talk, probably like three weeks before it goes downhill. And it's just so sad, you know. So you do have to allow yourself the time to grieve. Um, it's okay to cry. It's okay to feel hurt, you know, because again, it's a relationship. But I, I, I say all of that to say this, that there is light at the end of the tunnel. You know, I rest 
well every night, knowing that I am not the reason why I don't have this relationship with my dad. You know, um, it would be different if it was, you know, the other way around. And if, if so, I would take full responsibility. Now, I can take responsibility for my responses because before, before, um, like years ago, when he would, you know, do those things and he'll hurt me with his words, I felt I had to lash back. Um, and I would say, you know, whatever. Now, one thing I never did is to tell him that I hope, like, I would tell people he's dead to me and all of that. No. I would never do that, but I'll let him know, like, you weren't the father of the year, of the decade, of the century, you know, so stop acting like you were, you know, because you were there, quote unquote, there, um, you know, because I, and I have to just remind him of things, like, one thing I didn't share when I lived in Texas, and the reason why I decided not to really communicate with him is I needed a ride to work, and he was upset that he had to take me to work, and so apparently he was drinking again, and I didn't know. And he was taking me to work and he was like speeding like so bad. I kept saying, daddy, please slow down. And at the time, my best friend and her mother had just died in a car accident. So I was already hypervigilant about any type of situation that was going on with driving. My anxiety was up, you know, through the roof. And so first he started speeding even faster. And I'm like, if you're going to keep driving like this, well, you could just put me out and I'll walk. Do you all know that my father pulled over? and dropped me off on the side of the road and left. Now, I worked at Six Flags over Texas. Our job in the car was probably about, uh, maybe like seven to 10 minutes. But imagine walking that same route. Probably was like three miles or four miles away. He dropped, he pulled off, left me on the side of the road. So by the t- I, I called my job, told them, you know, I'm going to be late because I don't have a ride and I'm walking. Um, thankfully I was doing, uh, an early shift before my actual shift. Um, so they were understanding, but when I got to my job, I was, it was in the, it was in the summer in Arlington, Texas. And if anybody has ever been to Dallas, Fort Worth area in Texas, like we had one of our hottest days was 112 degrees outside. Okay. So I, it was scorching hot. And I had to walk all the way to work. And it was so bad that when I got to work, I had to get a new uniform because I was drenched. Okay. My father never turned back to check on me. He never made mention of it again. And I was supposed to just let it go and move on as if nothing had ever happened. And when I tell you that's not the first time he put me out of his car, because it happened when I was a teenager as well, in the middle of nowhere. You know, so... I, I'm almost 38 years old. I'll be 38 years old in a couple of weeks. And I sit back and I'm like, God, I endured a, I endured a lot for my father. And I didn't, it, I, I never really put it into perspective until I start talking about it, you know? Um, but I, I, I have learned that it's okay. Cause I know for a fact that I didn't contribute to these things and it's probably his own issues and his own demons but I'm here to say that he's going to have to deal with them on his own you know and so um in a nutshell you know everyone um toxic relationships can come in any shape size or form but you don't have to deal with it You do not have to be a victim of that relationship and constantly being abused by the people you love the most. Just because you love them don't mean they should be allowed to do certain things. Um, I hope 
that this, um, I guess, self-interview with you all. I hope that it helped you or someone, if you know someone who needs to hear this and who needs to understand that it is okay to set boundaries and parameters around you. I have to protect me. I have to protect my space and my sanity. And I can't do that if I'm allowing the person to constantly dump just junk and garbage into my space. Okay? And that and, and it's okay for you to do the same. So if you know anybody who may need to hear this, please share. Um, I really, really appreciate your time just listening, you know, to what I have to say and, and to share my, I shared my story and listen, this was still abbreviated. You guys, let's be clear. This is still abbreviated. You know, I kept a lot of things out cause I'm telling you, I would have been like two hours and y'all would have been like, okay, you know, poor, you know, what in the world is going on here? You know, but one thing about me, I, I think it's a flaw of mine. I struggle with um, being open because I don't want to feel like I'm a burden to people. Um, So I struggle with really being open and allowing people to really understand what I'm going through. You know, people see me as being strong and I'm always happy, which I, I have a very optimistic look outlook on life and on things in general. So I'm not a pessimistic type of person. I'm not a pity party type of person. Um, but every now and then some people do need to just release what they're going through. And so I love the fact that I have this podcast. This podcast allows me to do just that. I can release my emotions freely without any interruptions and I can just be me. That's why exactly why it's called Shakita's Moments of Truth. This is my truth, you know. Um, so I really, really, really appreciate you tuning in today. Um, until next time, you all, thank you so much for tuning in to Shakita's Moments of Truth. And again, this episode was brought to you by SJS Comprehensive Services, where financial and emotional well-being are the cornerstones to a healthy living. Peace out. Peace out.